Welcome to the 81st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a quick overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, recapping week four of the college football season, and recapping week three of the NFL season. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, and we will start in Major League Baseball, where Patrick went 2-2 two and two in predicting this past weekend's Major League Baseball series action. In NCAA football, Patrick went 2-2 two and two in his predictions, and in the NFL, Patrick went 1-3 and three in his weekend predictions. So that brings Patrick's overall record for this weekend's predictions to five wins and seven losses, which means his overall record is 184-45, and 45, a 55.9% winning percentage this season. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, in the MLB, we had a strange first that I wanted to capitalize on predicting. Uh, the White Sox became the first team to win a five-game series that I predicted because, uh, well, five-game series don't happen very often. But they added on actually two doubleheaders into their series. Actually, no, it started on Thursday is what happened. They had a doubleheader on Thursday and then also played Friday, Saturday, Sunday like a normal series because they had some games to make up naturally because Cleveland against uh, Chicago, not necessarily the best weather areas. So, uh, you know, they ha- they have a lot of games they have to make up over the course of the year. Uh, and this time they just happened to make up two against each other. And then every other series was a sweep. I predict two of those wrong, and then I predicted the other the other one right. The Brewers swept the Mets. That wasn't too hard to predict. Um, but the Red Sox got swept by the Yankees in a very, very important series, which was surprising. And then the Astros got swept by the A's when they had an opportunity to clinch their division. Uh, so, again, pretty interesting there in the MLB. Uh, in the NCAA, I was really, really close. I got both the I got both the ranked team predictions wrong, although both those games could have had opportunities to go the other way. Uh, my upset picks from unranked teams beating ranked teams, and then, well, not an upset pick, but Texas beating Texas Tech, and actually, frankly, weirdly, one of the lines that was supposed to be for a close game then ended up not being close whatsoever. Got those two right. Then in the NFL... Kansas City and the 49ers lost last second. Kansas City lost on the last drive by the Chargers and then couldn't score on their own with only a li- with only four minutes left to score, or 40 seconds left to score a touchdown. And then San Francisco had the opposite where they took the lead with 40 seconds left but gave just too much time for Aaron Rodgers to hit a field goal. And in the end, or not for Aaron Rodgers to hit a field goal, but to get the drive to hit the field goal for Mason Crosby. Uh, and in the end, I lose both of those. And then I reverse jinx the Rams, which I'm very happy about, so I don't really care anyway. Uh, I would have taken 3-1 and one if I got that one wrong. Unfortunately, the other two didn't go my way either. Uh, but going back to the MLB, really quick to just touch on this note. After these series, I mean, I didn't think Oakland still had a chance, but Oakland, Oakland wins three in a row. Boston loses three in a row. Now, Oakland is only three games back of Boston. Do you think Oakland or the Mariners, who are playing each other actually in a series this week that starts right now, do you think either of them could make the playoffs? No. So Boston do you think too easy of a schedule down the stretch? We talked about this in the last podcast. And do you they think end with that Baltimore? I believe they end with Baltimore and, D- and uh, the Nationals. They do. Do you think that Toronto can beat the Yankees in their series like they swept them the last time they played? But they're two games back of the Yankees, so they have to sweep them, right? Well, they swept them in a four-game series in New York the last time they played them, uh, and now they are playing three games at home and ten- and. Toronto is very, very good at home, and they close out the season playing the Yankees and the Orioles for six games. So if they beat the Yankees in that final, if they take two out of three from the Yankees, 
I would say they have a pretty good chance because they're actually only two back of the or yeah two back, two of, back the of the Yankees, Yankees overall. So what do you think, think about Toronto, the Blue Jays' chances? I, I think Toronto has to. I think Toronto has to catch New York. I don't think they're catching Boston. Ironically, even though they're only one game behind Boston, just because of Boston's easy schedule. And by the way, and the Yankees' last series is against the Rays. Yeah, I well the Rays might be resting people. Uh, I think Toronto. Nah, I think I'm gonna. I want Yankees Red Sox in the wild card. Actually, I'd love to see a three game tie. How do you decide that? I have no idea. I have no idea how that gets decided. Major chaos. Okay, so how? What is the? Well, actually, you know what? Let's not get in the scenario to this before this gets too long. But I, I, I think I have to agree with you, except for I want to see Toronto in it, so I think they'll make it just because. Uh, the Yankees have won six in a row, so they're kind of due to lose some games. And the Blue Jays were the team who swept them right after their like thirteen game winning streak, and then that ga- that winning streak ended. They lost a series to the Orioles and then got swept by the Blue Jays. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again. And by the way, I think that the Rays need to fight for home field because I think they know that they don't want to go away at the Astros, uh, and they don't have that large of a chance to do that. But if they can avoid that at all costs, I think they'll want to. Although they're actually one game away from clinching that home field anyway. Uh, but at the same time. They probably want home field over the Dodgers in the World Series, thinking because I mean you have oh, to you're look forecasting way in advance. Well, but you have to look. You have to look at something like that. I think the biggest two threats in the NL. I think you're thinking the Dodgers and the Giants. The Rays could think they're only three games back of the Dodgers. They could catch the Dodgers if the Dodgers rest to make sure they're ready for the wild card game. But they can't catch San Francisco. But if the Dodgers make it to the World Series, I think Tampa Bay wants that home field. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I'll tell you what. Since we're going to cover Major League Baseball next week on our next podcast. We'll make sure that if these little crazy scenarios are there, we'll have all the tiebreakers figured out, chaos theory, all that good stuff. Uh, so let's uh, let's move off the predictions. Uh, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website in advance of our next podcast because they are posted every Thursday on 4th24.com. Now let's uh, move on to our weekly look back at football action, starting as always with a weekly uh, with the look back at the weekend's action. In college football, uh, game four of the college football, week four of the college football season. Patrick, your best games of week four. Well, my best games are four games that I won't mention in upsets, disappointing teams, or impressive teams, so I don't want to double up there. So I'll go with some close games that really don't fit the other categories. Uh, Boston College beat Mizzou at home 41-34 to in overtime. Uh, look, I'm going to get to it later, but... Boston College, with the way the ACC is looking right now, has a case to be the best team in the ACC. They're one of the few teams that's 4-0. No matter how easy the team's schedule was, none of those teams have come out 4-0 somehow. Uh, so it's a really interesting conversation there. And uh, Missouri, had Missouri, I think, had that win over Kentucky, so they're not actually too shabby of a team. They're a pretty good team. Uh, you know, not a top-of-the-line SEC team, but a team that would probably contest for a divisional title in most divisions in in all of college football, because that's the way the SEC is. Any mid-table team there is probably a top-of-the-division team in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. Uh, then you have Michigan beating Rutgers. It wasn't a close game in the first half, but Rutgers outscored Michigan 10 and nothing. actually outscored, had more point, had quintupled the amount of points than Michigan had first downs in the second half, 10-2 in that respect. Uh, and Rutgers uh, shut them out 10 nothing in the second half, but... A missed field goal and a key, well, many, many key fourth down and third down stops by Michigan allowed them to take the take the victory over Rutgers uh, in that conference opener. But again, doesn't really fit the upsets. Neither team was very impressive. Neither team was very disappointing. Uh, so 
Again, though, good game uh, and a good Unless you're a classic. Fan, then it's a good good game to upset your stomach. But well, yeah, but a, a good objectively speaking, a good close yes. Big Ten opener game, which was entertaining game to watch. Mm, that's actually I wouldn't go there. <laughs> that was not very entertaining. Uh, but then you have Oklahoma State over Kansas State, thirty-one to twenty. Not really an upset. I mean, technically, Kansas State snuck into the rankings at twenty-five for a week. Uh, while Oklahoma State, for some reason, has been the coaches pulled darlings all year. They started the year ranked, and they now don't know what to do with them because they've kind of been stuck there, and yet somehow it's still in the AP pool. They finally got ranked after this week, even with a road win over Boise State. The AP still didn't trust them, but after their win over Kansas State at home, apparently that's a better win, which I could debate. But uh, they gave them the nod in the rankings now. I think they're at 22 and Oklahoma State's ranked. They had a good win. I predicted it in my weekend predictions because that was a little bit of a free upset pick because Kansas State just isn't that good. Um, The last pick that I have is Michigan State over Nebraska. Maybe I could make the case that they were a disappointing team for being way too close in this game, but they are only ranked barely in the top 20, and that's only because of the chaos that's going on everywhere else. Uh, And pretty much every team is playing close games, so I I won't really knock them too much for that. 23-20 23-20 to 20 in, in overtime, Michigan State gets this win over Nebraska. And maybe maybe sli- a slight bit of me wants uh, wants to not bash Michigan State just because they played a team that had stayed close with Oklahoma. So they had played a team that had just tasted almost getting the win but didn't. So Nebraska had some motivation to win a game. Uh, and I don't think they're an awful team. They're not good but they're not they're not great for sure but they're not probably the bottom of the Big 10 there so i think Michigan State could have lost that game i think a lot of teams across the country could lose a game to Nebraska right now pretty much everybody that's not in the top 25 would probably lose to Nebraska on the road so Nebraska's I, lost a ton of close games this year yeah so I, I think it's fair enough to say that Michigan State wasn't very disappointing and also we're due for a letdown week after their big win away at Miami so I think it's all fair there. Wow. So two of your best games of the week involved teams from the, the two biggest teams from the state of Michigan having no offense in the second half and figuring out a way to win a game. Yeah. So interesting. All right. Let's go to your uh, biggest upsets of the week. There were a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to start with the weird ones that have no bearing on anything college football playoff related or even rankings related for that matter, but were very, very surprising. I'll start with USC losing at home to Oregon State. Uh, in a stadium where they barely filled two-thirds of the stadium. It was not close to full, uh, which I guess is to be expected when you fire your coach because you're kind of sending the wrong message there, and you're kind of telling your team that, uh, yeah, this isn't a season to come watch us, but this definitely makes it a season not to watch USC. Uh, How about UTSA beating Memphis on the road? Maybe Illinois isn't all too bad because UTSA might actually be a good team. They're undefeated, right? Yeah. There's a team that could be ranked, by the way, I had them winning their conference. Check my pre- check my preseason predictions. But don't don't look at some of the other teams because they're a little <laughs> bit off, especially Arkansas. Yeah, especially Arkansas. I think Arkansas already surpassed the win total I had them at for the whole season. Uh, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, and then Bowling Green beating Minnesota on the road. Um, look, Minnesota flirted with this last year or two years ago, even in the season where they went 10-2. and two, They only beat South Dakota State in overtime. And I remember also barely beat Fresno State. So they're no strangers to this. The difference was they actually won those games. Uh, this year, it's a lot different. It's a different feeling. This is not a team that's going to go 10-2 and two by winning close games and fluke games and getting helped by the refs. 
this is a team that's probably going to end up 5-7 and seven because they can't win any close games because they're just not that good. Yeah, they lost their best player in the first game of the year. Ibrahim was a real... Real blow to them because they lost a lot of talent. They well, they lost. still have the quarterback who helped them go ten and two. But and he he's two any, years older. He doesn't so. have any wide receiver, those wide receivers there anymore. So. Yeah, but whatever. I don't. I mean, everybody has program turnover. You, yes. I'm not giving Clemson any excuses either. No, so no late game Tanner Morgan magic this year. Yeah, uh, and then moving. And by the way, they only scored ten points at home against Bowling Green. I don't care who you have on the field. That's bad. So much for those PJ Fleck to USC rumors. Uh, probably. Probably. <laughs> Uh, that I mean, cost PJ Fleck a lot of money, maybe. I mean, actually, you you never know. USC might hold losing to Oregon State in a worse light than losing to Bowling Green if you're at Minnesota. But you know what the worst part about that Oregon State loss to USC was nobody knew the game was on. That's also true. I did kind of forget. I mean, it was part of the promo at the beginning of the day during the Notre Dame Wisconsin game, and I said two great games. What are you talking about? It's USC Oregon State. Uh, but moving on from that. Baylor beat Iowa State 31-29 in a very, very odd Big 12 conference. Uh, Baylor has has emerged as probably the most solid team, I would argue, but not the best team. They're just kind of there. They're they're 4-0. They have clean wins. Uh, they almost gave up the winning touchdown in this game. Iowa State could have hit a two uh, could have hit a two point conversion to actually push the game into overtime, but they didn't. Uh, then you have Arkansas over A and M, which I guess isn't that much of an upset. It was actually a pretty. It's supposed to be a close game, but uh, you know you still have a, to- a team outside of the top fifteen beating a team in the top ten, which I would consider an upset. Maybe not if it was at home, but on a neutral field for sure. Although. Who knows, maybe Jerry Jones put something in the grass before the game because at Jerry World because, uh, you know, he's an Arkansas grad. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised. So 20-10, to 10, Arkansas wins that game over A&M. A really good win for them. As I as I said, uh, they already have more wins than I I think I had them going 3-9 and nine before the season just because the SEC schedule is tough and A&M is good and... Uh, and I thought they were going to lose to Texas too. So uh, they already they were probably supposed to be two and two at this point, and instead they're four and zero with two really convincing wins. Also, they've beaten three teams in the state of Texas already, which is interesting. Uh, but moving on from that, Georgia's Tech beat North Carolina forty five to twenty two. I'd like to remind people that Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois at home, who lost to Michigan by sixty. So Georgia Tech is not that good. Don't be fooled. Don't think they're a two and two record who has tough losses like West Virginia, who has two losses by a combined four points, both on the road against Power Five schools. They lost to Northern Illinois. Georgia Tech is not good, uh, and that also makes North Carolina, by extension, very very bad. Uh, at least very underachieving. Staying in the ACC, NC State over Clemson obviously is the biggest upset of the week. Although I would argue it was one of the most predictable upsets that there's ever been with more than with a double-digit spread on the game because who actually watched Clemson in the first three weeks of the season and thought that team was in the top five? I, I, I really I really don't understand. Uh, they weren't ranked in the top five as a result of, well, them not playing well. Uh, they can't score. They basically scored as much as Vanderbilt did against Georgia, so that's a bad comparison already. Uh, and I don't think that was just all Georgia's defense being amazing, which I think it is, by the way. I think it's the best unit in the country. Uh, it's the best offensive or defensive single unit on any team. Georgia's defense is the best. But I still think Clemson's ineptitude on offense really helped that, and I don't think it was all Georgia, as I said. Um, and really, I mean, it's just... it. it, it look, Clemson's not good this year. I think it's safe to say. They're just not a good team. They're out of the college football playoff, which I'm happy to say because it means that we're going to see a different team there. 
Maybe it allows the Pac-12 team to get there, but unfortunately, what I think it opens up the table for is there's no ACC team, so Georgia and Alabama will be getting in by the end of the season. Or Florida if they're able to beat Georgia. And Cincinnati is... Well, actually, it's probably the winner of the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game next weekend is probably who makes it, unless one of them chokes later in the year. But other than that, I think everything else is pretty much settled. Um, Sadly, which, I mean... Really, the playoff picture normally doesn't set this early, but if you look at Ohio State they, with how they'd have to run the table, they'd get enough wins to be up there. If you look at Penn State, they'd have the same exact conversation. Iowa, uh, Iowa because one of them has to beat each other when they play, and by the way, they're on opposing sides of the division, so whoever loses that game could come back and beat the other one in the conference championship game at the end of the season in the Big Ten. So, And then you even look at Michigan and Michigan State, who are still undefeated, and if they can pull out some wins here and there... I mean, Michigan State had a miracle year a few years ago making it to the playoffs, so... Hey, Maryland's what? undefeated. They beat West Virginia. Exa- I mean, look, there's any any undefeated team in the Big Ten right now has a chance. Yes. Uh, I, will say, I, will, I will say that Maryland doesn't have the talent <laughs> for that, but... Uh, although you know what they have, a, they have they have somebody named Tagovailoa, so they must be somewhat good. Um, but yeah, I mean, we kind of went on a tangent here with with Big Ten teams somehow from from uh, so the, playoff the cl- from set. the playoff picture, but we'll see. All right, what about the uh, most disappointing teams? Well, I'll start with a four letter sentence: Clemson for being awful was my first disappointing team. Four word sentence. Yeah. Yeah, my next one. <laughs> well, yeah, I extended the sentence. Um, Auburn being two missed sacks on the same play away from losing to Georgia State while benching their quarterback mid-game and getting lucky with calls in between. Don't forget the call. Yeah, which I mean, that might have been. I mean, the uh, the aura around that call might be might be getting a little bit messed up by the fact that you never hear head coaches complain about calls, and Georgia State's coach went out in the media and complained about it. So. It might be getting a little bit skewed. I don't think it was actually that bad of a call. I saw some other worse calls this weekend, especially in the NFL. Uh, but we'll move on to that one later. Uh, but and then also OU for only winning by three. Again, another close game, and this one at home in the conference opener. After you had a pretty bad match, a pretty bad game against Nebraska, you'd figure this is the week. Just like when they had lost to Tulane, the next game they scored seventy. So you would assume that after last week they would lock in and really play well against a team that they should definitely take seriously. West they didn't, West Virginia. Uh, and they only won by three. It's sixteen to thirteen. So those teams all very disappointing. Okay, most impressive teams: Arkansas, Notre Dame, Georgia. I know I've talked about Georgia pretty much every single podcast, but they deserve it. Uh, Georgia almost scored more points than Vanderbilt got yards. I don't think I've seen that very many times. Um, Arkansas is for real, as I said. That 4-0, that's a... They might have the most impressive resume of 4-0 so far. I mean, Georgia's went over Clemson, looked amazing week two, but right now it doesn't really look right now, that amazing. How do they let them score at all? I mean, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. score more on them? Pretty much. Um, but I think Arkansas definitely is for real, and I think Notre Dame... I, I The reason why I picked Wisconsin is because I thought Notre Dame and Wisconsin were both teams that don't deserve to be in the top 10 or the top 15 that they're both kind of scuffling a little bit. But sure, Notre Dame got like all of their points from pick sixes and kick returns in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, and that game was not a 30-point game. Yeah, that's the most but deceptive at the same, outcome of the weekend. Oh my, it's the most deceptive outcome I've ever seen. The game they were losing to enter, in the middle of the fourth, to enter the fourth quarter, they scored 31 in the fourth quarter and none of it really mattered. 
the game was over once they got it to 21. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was like a game of 21, actually. Um, but regardless, Notre Dame's still the same as with Arkansas. They've, they've played who they've had in front of them, and I can't really doubt them that much for it anymore. I mean, they had some close games. But by the way, after all the close games they had, where they barely pulled out victories, even though it was close for most of the game, it was against a better team, and they did end up blowing them out of the water by the end of the game. So this is still positive coming from Notre Dame. And then Georgia is just, they're just ridiculous. Um, Alabama could beat Southern Miss all they want, but no conference opener in the rest of the country is going to look like that for the rest of the year. I can guarantee you that. Okay, well, who are your most impressive players? Uh, I will go with Devin Leary, the quarterback from NC State. Not too many yards, but did enough. Uh, 32 of 44 for 238 yards. So again, not high yards per attempt, about five yards per per uh, per attempt. But four touchdowns also in the win over Clemson. It made that amazing throw, the back shoulder throw in overtime to really seal the victory for NC State before that interception. Uh, and then Bennett Williams from Oregon, eight tackles, two interceptions, including a pick six. Oregon needed, I mean, they didn't really need to have amazing performances to beat Arizona. But it still definitely helped nonetheless. All right. What's the best road win of the weekend? I will say my close second first. I gave it to LSU over Mississippi State was my close second because, I mean, it's a tough team. LSU is playing pretty well. Uh, They've bounced back from their loss to UCLA. They're starting to play better. They're going to get their quarterback back soon. And it's still hard to win in the SEC on the road. And Mississippi State's a quality team. But neither of those teams were ranked, so I gave it to UCLA with the bounce back win over Stanford, 35 to 24. But actually, interestingly enough, did you know that this was the only ra- the only road win with a ranked team involved this entire weekend that wasn't a ranked versus ranked matchup? And I did not know that. So I really had no other options. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I could have given it to UTSA over Memphis, I guess, that, or Bowling that, Green that, over that, Minnesota, that or great. Oregon State over USC. I guess Notre Dame or oh, ranked versus ranked, and then Notre and Dame by the way, both of those games game. were neutrals, yeah, even though they're uh, the, both those games were at neutral sites, and both teams were ranked. So I don't really want to count that anyway. But yeah. Interesting. Road dogs did not do very well. All right, what are, what are your overall takeaways from across college football this past week? I said it already, but Notre Dame and Arkansas deserve a lot of praise for how they played so far this season. Uh, my next one is that the Big Ten is still rolling, even though Ohio State has you know been struggling a little bit. They had a really good week this week, finally beating up on a team that they're supposed to beat up on without even playing their quarterback. Uh, then you have Iowa State, who isn't the second best team in the Big 12 anymore. Um, Baylor? Oklahoma State, Baylor, the team that just beat them, Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU, West Virginia, Kansas State, all of them really have cases. I would eliminate Kansas State just because they lost to Oklahoma State. So I think if you're going by that, Baylor and Oklahoma State have the two best cases because they beat the two other best teams, I would argue, that are not named Oklahoma. But West Virginia stayed close with Oklahoma, has two losses on the entire season by a combined four four points, and three of them, three of those points are at Oklahoma. None of these teams are beating, are winning at Oklahoma anyway. So that's not the worst performance. I bet some of them will get killed. So I think... And then Texas got that 35-point win after losing to Arkansas. It looks like Arkansas... I mean, look, Arkansas is ranked in the top 10 right now. So that loss doesn't look awful anymore, does it? Um, and then you have TCU, who's just, you know, quietly playing a good season. And then I think Iowa State just doesn't deserve that title anymore. And uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Um, then I have Oregon versus literally no one else in the Pac-12. The second best team in terms of record in the Pac-12 now is Oregon State. And let's just say Oregon State isn't very good. I think it's safe to say that. Uh, UCLA has their loss at home to Fresno State. 
Uh, Stanford now has a loss at UCLA. Washington has taken, I think, to, had an overtime game this weekend against somebody in conference, maybe Cal. Yep. Uh, and then also, you know, has the loss to Michigan, has the loss at Montana. So they're not looking too great. Home against Montana, even worse. Right. Uh, there's no one else there in the Pac-12. Who's challenging Oregon? I, I don't see anybody. October 23rd, Oregon at UCLA. But even, You're but, talking about number three versus number 24 who just lost at home to Fresno yeah. State. And, and That's not impressive. And then they're in opposite division, so it doesn't even matter. Yeah, All right. I, I don't I don't believe in UCLA. Uh, and then my other ones, how about the ACC with no top dog at all? Number 23, 24, and 25 are in the ACC, and those are the highest ranked teams. 23rd is NC State, who came off of beating, number 25 now, Clemson. And then number 24 is Wake Forest, who for some reason got into the rankings for beating Virginia by 20. Don't ask me why. I guess Virginia was okay going into the game, even though they were only 2-1. and one. Uh, But... I, I'm going off the board to find. I'm going off the ranked board to find the best team in the ACC. I got my money on Boston College. They're unranked right now, but guess what? I view a win over an SEC team a lot higher than I view a win over Clemson, a lot higher than I view a win over Virginia, and a lot higher than NC State because of the fact that they only beat Clemson. And I'm not taking a two and two team over a four and zero team. So right now it's Boston College to me. Uh, and by the way, a high program stability. Clemson and Wake Forest, well, Clemson obviously has been very, very stable, but this year is just not their year. NC State and Wake Forest are all over the place all the time. Uh, Maybe NC State the only program that's kind of consistent along with Boston College, but Pitt lost at home to Western Michigan. I would maybe talk about them a week ago after beating Tennessee on the road, but not after what they did last weekend. So uh, I I don't, I I have to give it to Boston College right now. Well, we're going to find out. Boston College plays at Clemson on Saturday. Well, that doesn't matter. And that Clemson, doesn't. who can't score, is favored by 16. Well, I don't think Boston... Well, that's a bounce-back game for them, but I also don't think Boston College is going to win that game, and I don't think it defines if they're the best. I think what defines that if they're the best is when they play Wake or NC State. All right, well, that wraps up our look at college football action from Week 4. Let's now move on to Week 3 action in the NFL. What were the uh, best games of Week 3 in the NFL for your from your perspective, Patrick? Well, I picked five of them. I'll start with the Rams beating Tampa Bay at home, 34-24, to a big statement win by the Rams. Uh, by the way, Matt, Matthew Stafford outplayed Tom Brady in all aspects except for passing yards, which, as you know, is probably the most useless stat uh, when you start getting into games that are semi-close but not, but not, uh, not really in doubt because, well... That's how you rack up garbage time yards is by throwing the ball a lot. He had, Tom Brady ended up with, I think he had one or two passing touchdowns. Uh, but it was the first game of his career where he threw for 400 yards and threw no interceptions and lost the game. So that says a lot about the Rams. And by the way, Ben don't break. They gave up a lot of yards, but didn't give up too many touchdowns, had some key stops, had a forced a field goal here and there. Uh, and in the end, that was enough to get that, to get that offense to win. And by the way... I don't think a Jared Goff-led team wins that game, just because I don't think they have enough offense to muster up against the Buccaneers, although the Rams did win at the Buccaneers last year, and then the Buccaneers didn't lose another game to end the season, uh, and actually hadn't until this weekend, by the way. Now I'll move on to Baltimore at Detroit. 19-17 Baltimore wins after a 4th-19 30-yard pass leads to an NFL record field goal from 66 yards by Justin Tucker. I see the fan from Detroit who never liked the Lions over there shaking his head, but as we know, that's what the Lions do. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on how bad the Lions are. I, I think it's I think Calvin Johnson calling them out on Twitter is probably enough, so uh, we'll leave that one. 
Uh, Green Bay versus San Francisco, or at San Francisco, was a great Sunday night game. Really, all the primetime games have been pretty good this year, except for that, uh, you know, the occasional Thursday night football sucks because the teams playing in it suck, i.e. the Texans and the Panthers, although even that Giants and in, in, uh, Washington football team game was pretty good a few weeks ago on Thursday night. But the Sunday night and Monday night games have been really, really good, except for, well, the one tonight where the Eagles got killed by the Cowboys. But other than that, all the primetime games have been very good. Um, and especially this Green Bay game, obviously you have Aaron Rodgers driving down the field after Jimmy Garoppolo and the Giants drive down the field to win the game. By the way, they were down 17 to nothing and came all the way back to take the lead 28 to 27. But 37 seconds, even with no two mile timeouts, is just a little too much to give Aaron Rodgers to just get into field goal range. Maybe Mason Crosby misses the field goal, but Aaron Rodgers is going to get you into that range for sure. Um, and then you have Vegas against Miami at home. Their second overtime game in three games this year, 31-28 and 31 to 28 Vegas wins, which was uh, not the greatest result considering they weren't even playing against Tua this weekend, but... They beat the Ravens, they beat the Steelers, so you know they had their two good wins. This is kind of a letdown week, and maybe the Steelers are actually even worse than Miami playing with Jacoby Brissett, because I'm frankly not convinced that Big Ben is better than Jacoby Brissett at this point. Um, but yeah, the Raiders left it a le- left the door open a little bit, but at the same time, they were losing 14 yeah. to nothing off of a pick six on, on a miscommunication, and after an opening touchdown drive after that by Miami. So they were losing by a lot. They got a safety, then a field goal, then a touchdown, then another one. They they rolled their momentum into the second half of the game and then really let Miami kind of walk down the field at the end of the game, which is something that you don't want to see for them long-term, that that really doesn't reflect too well on their defense. Uh, but then, moving on from that game, staying in the AFC West, though, the Chargers went on the road and beat Kansas City 30-24, to a very, very good win. Justin Herbert was very impressive. Patrick Mahomes was not. Got completely outplayed by Justin Herbert, and I think there's no other way to put it. Two interceptions is just too much in a close game, and that just wasn't a good game by Mahomes, but I'll sure he'll bounce, I'm sure he'll bounce back. All right, who are your most disappointing teams from last week? Well, I already compared Big Ben to Jacoby Brissett, so I think it's pretty obvious that Pittsburgh is going on here. They lost to Cincinnati 24-10 to at home, but I think the biggest loss was the fact that Cincinnati had players talking about the fact that they could tell that Pittsburgh players weren't trying at the end of the game. That three drops at the end of the game by, I think it was Chase Claypool and Najee Harris and probably James Washington too, that they could just tell that by the end of the game they just had given up. They really had no fight left in them and that's not what you want to see in a rivalry game. I mean, the Bengals had like two wins last year and were still playing so hard against uh, against Pittsburgh and actually handed them their first loss of the year if I remember correctly. So... You can play hard when you're losing or when you're just not having a good season. Pittsburgh's not doing that right now, and after their win against Buffalo, they have not looked good at all. Uh, the next two, Chicago for losing 26-6 to to Cleveland. Uh, Justin Fields had more, had got sacked more times than he completed passes. Uh, they almost gave up, I mean, frankly, they only got like 60 yards passing, and I think he was 6-for-20 or 6-for-26 on the day. With those nine sacks, so 29 dropbacks and getting sacked nine of those and only completing six passes, that is not a good outcome. Uh, You would hope that completed passes are higher. You'd hope that out of the three of those stats, you'd have complete passes, then incomplete, then sacks. Instead, you had sacks, incomplete, and then complete. So pretty bad by Chicago. And by the way, 
that was just not a good idea to start Justin Fields. Like, go go pick up somebody from somebody else's practice squad. Don't throw him against Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney in a good defense on short note. Don't just don't do it. Just wait until you play the Lions the next week. That's when you start your quarterback for the first time. And also give him some more time to settle in. Stupid decision. Bad on Chicago all around. Then the last one. What, how does Seattle lose to Minnesota? I, I mean, they Seattle has some serious defensive problems. Um, I don't know how you fix them because, frankly, their defense was awful last year at the beginning of the season and just, like, magically flipped a switch by getting Carlos Dunlap and got amazingly better by the end of the season. And I just don't think... I don't see it happening. So I don't see a team flipping a switch twice in a row or two years in a row unless you're a team that's actually really, really good, like the Golden State Warriors, teams don't just flip switches, and especially not bad defenses in the NFL. I don't see Seattle going very far considering the other three teams in their division. All right, and the most impressive teams from last weekend. Well, I already talked about these two, so I'll just gloss over them real quick, but LA's win over Tampa Bay was very, very impressive for all aspects. Uh, Kansas City, I'm not Kansas City, actually. LA, the other LA team, the Chargers, Beating Kansas City on the road was also very, very impressive. Uh, and then a game that I talked about, that I never talked about, Buffalo beating Washington 43-21. to That is so many points against a team that supposedly has the best front seven in all of the NFL and really just overall a pretty good defense. Uh, that's a lot of points. 43 of them is a lot, especially considering that they even were short of possession because there was a kick kicked to the 15-yard line that was not fielded by the Bills at all and actually recovered by Washington's kicker. So an onside kick that went 80 yards. Yes, that actually happened. You should look it up. It's actually hilarious. But didn't expect the kick to bounce short. None of the short returners realized it was bouncing there. It was probably some wind affecting it. And the kick returner from Buffalo did not step up to catch the ball. It landed five feet in front of him, bounced like 10, 10 yards in the air. And then Dustin Hopkins ended up with the recovery after it got kicked around a little bit. By the way, Washington scored that touchdown and basically didn't score for the rest of the game other than some garbage time touchdowns. And then the Bills right after that just went down and scored again. So uh, not really a great performance by Washington overall, but Buffalo deserves some credit for playing well against that defense. All right, the most impressive players from Week 3 in the NFL. Well, there was only one guy who set an NFL record, so I have to go with him, Justin Tucker, for his 66-yard kick. Uh, his game-winning kick. Maybe he wouldn't be on there if Matt Prater had made his 68-yarder, but of course you had the the, the very rare but sometimes happens uh, kick six in the Jaguars-Cardinals game that literally meant nothing because the Jaguars still lost by double digits, uh, even with probably the most miraculous play you can ever end up with at the end of a half to actually take a halftime lead over the Cardinals. Uh, and then Josh Allen, I just talked about how good the Bills' offense was. 32 of 43, 358 yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing TD. Could probably go with Matt Stafford, too, who, after a 1-7 and seven start, I think only threw four incompletions for the rest of the game with something like 27 other completions. So, pretty good game by him, too. But I think I talked about the Rams enough that I don't need to mention him there. Uh, Josh Allen had a great week. Most, uh, Sorry, best road win. Talked about it already, but I'll talk about it again. Chargers over Kansas City. I mean, I'll, I'll go into more length this time. That's a hard place to win on the road. You don't beat the Chiefs on the road very often. You don't beat the Chiefs overall very often just because it's Kansas City, right? We saw what it took for the Ravens to beat them. They had to overcome their own turnovers and then only barely win by one in the end. Uh, This is a hard team to beat, as we know. Kansas City has not lost many games in the last, really, two or three years, and no matter how far you want to go back, 
They basically only lost to Tom Brady teams. I think three of their last five losses before this game were Tom Brady teams, and that's pretty much it. Uh, And then games that Mahomes didn't start because they were resting him. But any team beating Kansas City is going to be impressive, especially a team with a very, very young quarterback at the helm, uh, Justin Herbert, and just really a team that the Chargers could have gone a lot of ways. I think they had a lot of preseason hype, but at the same time, that kind of put them on the map more. So I was maybe expecting a lot of teams to take them so seriously that they might be like, you know, a 10-7, and 11-6, uh, maybe 9-8 and eight kind of a team. But I think they might actually end up better, although, you know, they still lost in, in the end to, to the Cowboys. So y- you never know where this team is going to end up, and I can't really tell if this was just Mahomes having an unusually bad game or the Chargers forcing that bad game. All right, what are your overall takeaways from uh, across the NFL from Week 3? Similar to Arkansas and Notre Dame in college football, the Raiders are for real. I think the fact that they can pull out two overtime wins in three weeks, is it says a lot about their team. Uh, and even after not converting, by the way, on neither, neither game did they end the overtime on the first possession, which is seemingly the most common outcome is that whoever wins the coin toss just gets a touchdown, and it's, oh my god, they won the coin toss, we automatically lose the game, and then that team scores a touchdown game over. Uh, but they actually didn't score first on, or they didn't score on the first drive against Baltimore, and then in this game, they only kicked a field goal. Miami answered with their own field goal, but by the way, good defensive stand to make sure that they didn't give up the game-winning touchdown, and then they went down the field and got their own field goal to win the game. Uh, so great play by the Raiders. The second one, the West Coast is the best coast. The worst teams in the NFC East, or NFC and AFC West, are the Seattle Seahawks at 1-2 and and the Kansas City Chiefs at 1-2. and These are teams who have won Super Bowls within the last, what, six, seven years? And other than Tom Brady are the only only teams to have Super Bowls, actually, if you look back at it. These are great teams. These are great franchises. And the other teams in the NFC West and AFC West combined— are all 8-1, overall 16-2, outside of Kansas City and Seattle, who, by the way, aren't bad teams, just are having bad seasons. Obviously, Kansas City that's, is way better, than, yeah. way better than Seattle, but still, Seattle's still a good enough team to beat a lot of teams in the league, and they just haven't so far. But, I mean, that 8-1 by... I mean, by the way, the 49ers were an Aaron Rodgers drive away from, be, from making the NFC West all 3-0 teams and then the Seahawks. The Cardinals and the Rams... Cruise to their three, cruise to their three wins, uh, but San Francisco almost went three and zero, and and two and one with only a loss to the Packers by two is still not a bad record whatsoever. Uh, and then also in the AFC West, you have the Broncos, who have played probably the three worst teams in the league, but still they've taken care of their business, uh, beating the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Which yeah, I mean when you say it like that, it's like what, three and zero doesn't count. Three <laughs> yeah, three and zero doesn't count for anything, but. Um, still taking care of business. Uh, the Chargers' only loss is to the Cowboys at home in a close game where they made some mistakes. And then the Raiders are also, th- and then the Raiders are 3 0, as we know. So, really good on the West Coast. I think every West Coast team is going well. And finally, Cincinnati has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Uh, 2 and 1 from the Cincinnati Bengals is very, very surprising. And technically, with their win over the Steelers, they're the top dog in the AFC North right now. So all of you Ravens and Browns believers and Steelers believers, guess what? Cincinnati's coming to take the division title. Just kidding. That's not happening. Uh, 
Is it just me or do the Steelers always lose to Cincinnati? Like specifically only Cincinnati. They can sweep the Ravens, sweep the Browns, but they will still find a way to lose to Cincinnati every single year. It seems like at least once. I, I mean, even last year they were 11-0, and the first game they lose, three win Cincinnati. H- how? It, it makes no sense, but there's some curse going on there that Cincinnati just has to take one game every year from the Steelers. I don't know what they're going to do in the rest of the season, but by the way, a two and one start with a with a young quarterback is a really good is a really good mix because even if you're a good team that's playing well, if you're not an older guy like Aaron Rodgers can lose by thirty five in week one and then come back and win the next two weeks because he's Aaron Rodgers. He's been through this before. But for Joe Burrow as a young guy who I mean, other than the one season in LSU where he wasn't great and being a backup at Ohio State, he went fifteen and zero in his college career in that one year in that crazy season for LSU. So he's not used to doing a lot of losing. Um, and even in his season that wasn't too great, LSU was still good. So it's not. It's very hard for young quarterbacks to deal with losing because oftentimes they didn't lose in college. They didn't lose in high school very much. Uh, so that 2-1 start mixed with him will give him a lot of confidence going forward. And you pile up maybe two more wins, adding up. You start 4-1. and one. I don't know who they play, but if you start 4-1, and one, you could actually see, see Cincinnati making a playoff push. Uh, and then my last takeaway... Green Bay didn't have any offseason problems. There was no Aaron Rodgers controversy. Come on, move on. Green Bay, Green Bay's good. Don't Just worry about it. Regular season yeah. to work it out. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about Green Bay. Yeah. By the way, same record as Tampa Bay. Uh, although I will say I would I would like to see those two teams fight it out so that the Rams can get home field and quietly sneak into a playoffs where they play every single game at SoFi Stadium, which would be very interesting, including the Super Bowl. But that's a dream scenario. I wonder if any team has ever done that because I know the Buccaneers got the Super Bowl at home last year and were the first team to win it at home, but they were on the road in the NFC Championship game and in the NFC Divisional Round at the Saints. Or actually, that might have been the Super Wild Card weekend. I don't remember. (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up our look back at Week 3 NFL action. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, October 1st, where we will have our weekly analysis of MLB action after most of the playoff picture is decided. And as we mentioned, maybe go over a little bit of scenario and hypotheticals and crazy tiebreakers. Uh, and we'll also look at other important news from the world of sports. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games, his predictions for the entire college football and NFL seasons, the fourth installment of our college football top 25 poll, which will be posted on Tuesday, and Patrick's MLB power rankings updates, probably the last ones of the regular season headed into the playoffs which are posted on Saturdays. Probably the last one. It's not possible to make another one. The season's over on Sunday. It'll be the last one. They won't be updated (laughs) in the playoffs. How's that? Uh, All of which is on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.